0: Father God, we thank you for the fact that we are indeed yours. We can praise your name, we can sing your praises, and we know that you are our Father. We can call out to you, we can say, Abba Father. Yes, Father. We can just cry out to you in our time of need. God, we can cry out to you when we're glad and things are going well in our lives and we're full of joy. God, we can call out to you when we're in sickness we're in God, when we're on the very verge of death. We can call out to you. We can say, Abba, Father. And the reason it is so reassuring, God, to do that in those times is because we know that we have a Heavenly Father who is personal and is intimate and cares so deeply for us that you know every single hair that is on our head, God, and you love us so richly and so deeply. And Father, tonight, as we look at what your Word says about faith, I pray that it would dwell richly in our hearts, that, God, we would understand more about who you are God, that it would not be something that, that, that somebody has told us, but God, but it, instead it would be what you have told us, what you have written in your word, that we would receive that and that alone. God, I pray that we just look closely at what your word says tonight, God, and we would find strength in that, God, that we would we would be challenged by it, that God, our, our faith would be stretched tonight, God, and for those of us that feel like we're lifting up empty prayers, God, I pray Lord, that tonight you encourage them because, God, you just show them that you are strengthening their faith. God, thank you so much for this precious word that you've given us. May we always, 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 God, rejoice in what we have, this precious word. And may we never take it for granted. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so. I can tell you that this word tonight, we're going to kind of wrap up a little bit early because we got some construction work to do in here and all this kind of good stuff, but I can tell you tonight that I, as I was studying this passage and I was reading about it and I was trying to understand it and wrap my mind around it, I mean, I was just taken back by it. It was so encouraging to me. Have you ever seen like this happen? It seems like somebody that is new to the faith that has a very new Relationship with Christ perhaps. It seems like their prayers, man, just get answered one right after another, after another, after, and you're like, man, it is amazing what God is doing in their life and how their faith is being strengthened. And then you see somebody that has been a follower, a devout follower of Christ who shares the gospel, who's traveling to Haiti, who's traveling to Thailand and Cambodia and like going all over the world and going to to Kenya to share the gospel. I mean, they're just going everywhere and they have something happen and like, it's like their prayers, they feel like their prayers are going unanswered. And you're like, what is up with that, man? How, how are they lifting up empty prayers? And, and these people who have a very young faith, they're very new in their relationship with Christ. How is it possible? It seems like, man, every one of their prayers is just getting answered one right after another. And I'm saying this, and there's some people like, they're, they're focused. I got your attention, didn't I? I got you. because some of you are like, I have felt that way before. Like, like, man, I've been trying my best to do what God has said I'm supposed to do. I've been trying my best to live by this word. I have received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I put my total faith and trust in Him, and I believe in Him, and, and, and like all of this. And I don't understand why it is. It seems like, man, nothing's happening in my life. I don't get it. Have you ever felt that way? You ever wondered what's happened to my faith? What's, what's happened to it, you know? Oh, let me reassure you, tonight, 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 it is, it is so good, you just don't understand what God is doing. That's, that's what it boils down to. We don't, we, we're pretty dumb people. Uh, anybody feel like they're pretty dumb sometimes? Yeah, I feel, especially when it comes to this book, you know? Like, I'm supposed to wrap my mind around this, and this is just like, you know how an iceberg, like it's 90% of it's underneath the surface, you know, and then there's like this top 10%, and that's what you see, Right? I believe that's what God's Word is. It's like the top 10% like of us trying to even scratch the surface of who God is and understand God. This is like us trying to teach calculus to an anthill. You know what I mean? Like It's like, how do you do that? How do you communicate that to people that have zero understanding? How do you communicate the infinite knowledge of God and put it in a book that they can carry around in their hand? Like, that's a pretty tall task, right? We're pretty dumb sometimes. And then we lift up these prayers and like, well, God just He's not hearing me. He just doesn't know me. He doesn't doesn't know what's going on in my life. And then and then we see this crazy junk on TV. We got these faith healers, right? Faith healers, right? All right. So does God heal people today? Does he perform miracles today? Absolutely. Absolutely. What do we see in, in God's word about healing? and especially in this area of of being able to touch somebody and heal them, that it was always a means to an end. It was always, it wasn't the end, it wasn't the end point. It was always so Christ could point to who he was. Or it was so that the apostles could point to the fact that they had the authority of God that was bestowed upon them from Jesus Christ to be able to perform these miracles. And that's the reason they were able to do some of the things that they were able to do that we're not able to do today. This also includes the gift of tongues. Oh, no, I said it. The gift of tongues, right? Oh, we covered that too. So what was the purpose of the tongues? If you look at God's Word and you look at what it says, now go read it for yourself. I'm not telling you what to think or what to believe about tongues or faith healers or any of that. Go read it for yourself. But what I will tell you is this. What I will tell you is this, is it was always to serve a purpose to point back to Christ. It was not, it was not just to, to, to be able to say that I can do this. It, it was always to so point back to Christ. And, and if, if, if there was going to be an opportunity... For somebody to, to use tongues today, it would be so that they could communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ in a native tongue that somebody could understand. Where they weren't able to understand because they don't know that language. And God would use that and he would perform a miracle in that to be able to communicate to them in their native language in order to be able to, to, to communicate the gospel to them. But we have the New Testament. We, we, have, we have the gospel of Christ. So, so there's not the need of those apostolic gifts that were once given to those apostles. It was always to point to Christ. It was always to point to the deity of God. That was always the purpose. And people have, have, have transformed and manipulated it and made it seem like something it's not. Let me tell you something. If there's these faith healers that, that hang out in, 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 in white tents out on the street corners, send them to the hospital. You know what I mean? Like, Can't they just walk around and like touch people and people jump up and start running out? Wouldn't hospitals be empty? Why like wouldn't we have them on CNN if the, if the faith healers were really what they say that they are? Okay, man, I, I know I may, have been, I may be rubbing some people the wrong way. Send them jokers to Children's Hospital. There's a ton of kids in there that need them. Maybe it's, maybe it's not what it's cracked up to be. Is that possible? Let's look at a particular situation in God's Word where Jesus heals. And I want to talk to you about faith. I'm talking about real faith tonight. In Matthew chapter 17, verse 14. I want you to know what's happening here. Is that is Jesus and his boys are just coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration. And what has happened here is that, that Jesus is transfigured. And it's like all of a sudden, they're getting a glimpse of Jesus in his full glory, and this full manifestation of God as he is. And he's, he's carrying on a conversation with God the Father and Moses and Elijah, and, and, and a few of his disciples are hanging out there with him, and they're watching this happen. And they're like, man, let's, let's just set up a few tents here, and let's hang out here for a little while. This is good. We got heaven on earth. Let's just hang out here. You know what I mean? And Jesus is like, okay, hang on. We ain't there yet. You know what I mean? He's like, he's like. Time's coming, okay, we're going to have heaven on earth, it's, we're not there yet, I know, what you, I know what you're saying guys, and I know this is really cool, but come on, let's go back down to the, let's go back down the mountain, alright, so they've been hanging out with Jesus, Jesus has come back down the mountain with his, with his boys, then we see in Matthew chapter 17, beginning of verse 14, it says this. At the foot of the mountain, a large crowd was waiting for them. A man came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire and the, to the water. Now, I read this passage to you not long ago. A couple of weeks ago, I pointed out this passage. It says, so I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. I couldn't heal him. Jesus says, you faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. This doesn't sound like the Jesus we know, does it? I mean, this sounds like he's a little brash right here, right? Was Jesus, was he ever controversial a little bit? Maybe people uh, rub Jesus the wrong way a little bit here? We get a glimpse into how frustrated Jesus is here, right? Don't we? You, you corrupt people, faithless. Then Jesus rebuked the demon in the boy and it left him. From, from that moment, the boy was well. After, Afterward, the disciples asked Jesus privately, why couldn't we cast out that demon? He says, you don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. I tell you the truth, if you had a faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say them out and move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. All right, Kenny, I'm all confused, man. I don't get it. Like you're saying, the disciples didn't have faith? What are you telling me here? So his disciples... Now, Jesus had bestowed upon his disciples the ability to go and cast out demons and to heal people, be able to lay hands on them and heal them, right? And as we're talking about this idea of faith healers for just a minute, let me, let me, let me back up for just a second. Don't you see in the New Testament evidence of not necessarily this idea of, of faith healing? Doesn't it show as the New Testament begins to, to, to continue on, don't you see that, that, that there's not the same element as go and just have the apostles lay their hands on you and all of a sudden, boom, you're healed and you walk away? Don't you see that? Because James says that. James says that. He says, he said, if there's some sick among you, what you should do is you should bring them in front of the elders of the church and they should anoint them with oil and you should pray for them. You should pray for them. This, this is the process through which God... Heals. This is the process through which God causes his miracles to happen. And it, it, it involves the church, and it involves the church coming together in prayer. And he says, if you do this with faith, if you as a church would come together and you will, you will pray over them with faith, then God will accomplish these things in people's lives. That, that God is able to use those prayers in order to be able to bring healing to people. And, and, I mean, wouldn't it be just as simple if, if, it, was, if it was this idea of, of the apostles laying their hands on somebody? Wouldn't they just go, well, just take the sick to the apostles, get them to touch them, and they'll be fine, right? But that's not the picture we see. What we see James saying is, get the church together. Let's start praying with faith together in unity. Let's let our faith come to action by us coming together and putting our faith in what we're praying about and what we're focused on. And Paul tells Timothy, Timothy's got stomach problems, right? So he's got a little upset stomach, right? He didn't say, well, just go let Paul rub your belly or something. You know what I mean? It's like he says, no. He says, Paul tells him, go and drink a little wine for what ails your stomach. You know what I mean? That's what he tells him. What, I mean, like, it's, it's not this picture of, of just going and, and like, like just this touch, this healing touch. It's a picture of God at work through faith to accomplish these things and, and to show us in, in, his, in His Word, in the New Testament that we have now, that this is where our faith lies, that this is what we understand God to mean here. So the disciples are they're, uh, coming to Jesus and saying, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand, Lord. So you gave us this ability, and now we are not able to accomplish this miracle. I don't understand. Jesus says, Where's your faith? How many times does he tell his disciples, Where's your faith? You don't have any faith. You, you just don't have the faith. You know what I think happens here? Well, we have to understand. We have to understand what Jesus is saying. He's saying, if you have the faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to a mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing is impossible. Now, most people take this passage to mean that that you just need a little bit of faith, right? That you just need a tiny bit of faith. And because a mustard seed is small, Jesus is just saying you need a little bit of faith. And that's what's going to happen. I don't think that's the picture. I don't think that's the picture. You know why? Let's look at Matthew chapter 13. Let's look. You read Scripture in light of Scripture. Let's look what else Jesus said about a mustard seed. I think that would be wise, right? So he's talking about the kingdom of God in Matthew chapter 13. And look at what he says. He says, here is another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. This is in Matthew chapter 13, beginning of verse 31, if you want to go back and read it later. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes large, the largest in the garden, and it grows into a tree. And the birds come down and make nests in its branches. So what is Jesus saying? Jesus, what are you you telling us here? You know what illustration Jesus is using? A mustard seed grows. It starts out tiny, but it grows. And I think that's what he's telling his, his disciples right here. He's saying, you just prayed once to cast out the demon." you just prayed one time and tried to cast out the demon and you just left it as as that you know what real faith is you know what Jesus was trying to show his disciples real faith is it's when you continue on in faith and in prayer Jesus said it would be done Jesus said it would be done Jesus said it would be done he gave me the power he told me it was going to happen Jesus said it would be done Jesus said it would be done Jesus is growing their faith. Just like that mustard seed that's planted, he's growing their faith. And what happens with new believers, you see, you see prayers just seem to get answered one right after another, and man, things are happening in their life, and things are transforming. But then you see people that, that have been in the faith for a while, and you, you say, well, what's God doing there? He doesn't seem to be answering their prayers. He's growing their faith. He's growing their faith. Will you keep at it, is the challenge that Jesus is pos- posing in your life. Will you continue on in constant, continual prayer, believing and trusting that what Jesus said is true, that what you're praying for, not necessarily that, that it will come to fruition, but that God's will will be done, that God knows what needs to be done in the situation. You see, God stretches our faith that way. He challenges us to keep on keeping on. So when you're, when you're down and out, and you're wondering, like, what is happening here? Could it be possible... Could it be possible that what Jesus is doing is really stretching your faith? I know. I've talked to many people. I, I, was, I was looking at a Facebook of a, of a guy that I know who threw his Bible in the trash and he's moved off to another place and he wants nothing to do with God whatsoever now. And this is a guy that continued in prayer over and over and over again. Asking God to remove something from his mind and from his heart. And he asked and begged and all this kind of stuff. And he just gave up. He just gave up. He says, I'm done with God. God didn't answer my prayers. I'm just giving up. The reality is, God was trying to grow his faith. He was trying to see if he really trusted God or not. God was was allowing him to... To, to have these, these constant prayers that seemed like they weren't getting answered and God was just like, you just keep striving after me. You keep proving that I'm the source of what you need and you keep keeping on because you recognize and you have faith that I am the source of all that you need. And I believe, I believe that some of us in here, we've got needs. We've got needs and we're, Struggling with, God, why, why are those needs not getting met, you know? I've got heartache. I've got depression. I've got suicidal thoughts. I've got family members, loved ones, people I care about deeply have turned their back on me and I don't know what to do about that. Is it possible that God is challenging you to allow your faith to be stretched? I'm talking about we're really good at the tiny little faith. The tiny little faith where we pray 10, 15, 20 times. I'm talking about the faith where you pray 2,000 times about the same thing. Begging God, seeking God, asking God to answer. Begging God to do something in your life. Now you've got to understand something about this. You've got to understand something about this. That the bottom line is not the answer to that prayer. The, the, the end goal is not the answer to that prayer. Do you understand what I'm saying here? The end goal is your faith. It's for your faith to be strengthened. It's, it's for your trust to be where it really belongs, which is in Jesus Christ, in Christ alone. You see, when these disciples were trying to wrap their minds around this, I mean, they, they, they're supposed to understand what Jesus is showing them here. He's trying to show them that you're going to be faced with some difficult situations. There are going to be some times where you think that I'm not doing anything. There's going to be some times where you think that I've left you all alone because you're not able to do the miracles that you were once able to do when you were walking around here with me. Will you continue on in the faith then? Will you continue to allow your faith to be strengthened, to be grown like that mustard seed that's planted in the soil so it becomes the largest in the garden? Are you going to allow that to happen or are you going to just give up? And say, I tried, didn't happen, so I quit. These disciples of Jesus didn't have that opportunity to quit. There was no plan B. If these disciples, if they quit, that was it. But these men, God knew that these men would continue on and continue on and allow their faith to grow. And here we are, over 2,000 years later, still talking about these men and their faith. And all these Old Testament people that we point out in Hebrews chapter 11 that Keith has been digging into over the past few weeks, their faith too. Can you imagine? We talked about Noah, right? Talked about Noah. Imagine after the first 10, 15 days worth of build on that boat, he's looking around for the rain. He's going, All right, what's going on here? Time passes, time passes. He's still building. Got that hammer and nails out, still going at it. All right, God, what's going on here? What's going on here? It's all about his faith growing. And then when the rain started to fall, and then when he gathered the animals in and the Lord shut the door on the ark, the end result was not the fact that that the miracle had happened. The end result was the fact that, that Noah's faith was strengthened. That Noah's faith was strengthened. As we go on in the book of Hebrews in chapter 11, we'll look at all these Old Testament saints and the things that they did and how they are these witnesses, this great cloud of witnesses and witnesses are not to say that they're looking down on us Witnesses are giving their testimony For their faith You see and the, the, the Hebrews that the, the writer of Hebrews is writing to The Israelites that he's writing to See they're on the very brink Of coming all the way to faith in Christ They're right on that edge But they're also on the edge of falling back And going back into their old ways Their old Jewish ways of Judaism And, and that, that's where they're at They're on, this, they're on the fence right here and the writer of Hebrews is trying to show them that this idea of being saved through faith is not a new concept. That that's exactly how the Old Testament saints were saved. Do you know how you'll be saved? As you as you pray about these things, God, rescue me, deliver me from these things. Take me out of the situation bring my loved one back to do you know how you will be rescued by faith by faith does that mean necessarily that that loved one will come back does that mean necessarily that the sick will necessarily be healed no it doesn't the end result is the growth and strengthening of that faith This particular man, was so ironic about this particular passage is that this particular man, I read to you a few weeks ago about this man when he brought his son, he says, I believe he can be saved. I believe he can be rescued from this affliction. I mean, he's vexed with this this demon that possesses him and throws him into the fire and throws him into the water. He says, I believe that you can heal him. Strengthen my faith. Strengthen my faith. And this man is asking Jesus to strengthen his faith at the same time that Jesus is trying to show his disciples, his apostles, that what they need is their faith strengthened. And that's how good God is. And that's how perfect his illustrations are. Is that God was, Jesus, in his perfect existence, was answering the question that this man was asking, but he was answering it through the disciples that were lacking in their faith. So, what about us in our lives? What's, what's the answers we're seeking for? Is it, is it so that somebody can get up from the dead, jump up and walk around and run around? Is that the end result? Is that the end result? And so somebody that's been paralyzed from birth can jump up and run up and down the aisles Is that the end result? No, the end result the end result is always a strengthening of our faith for believers to say just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego just like when they said our God will deliver us. Our God will take us out of that situation. But but even if He doesn't We will not bow down to your idols. We will not bow down to you. That kind of faith is the kind of faith that God is trying to build in each and every one of us. Is that the kind of faith you have? Has God challenged you on any level tonight through his word to take a real hard, close look at what real faith is? Will you fall down on your knees before him today and say, God, I felt like giving up and I felt like I was at the end of my rope, but I just realized you were strengthening my faith. You were calling me to a greater relationship with you, a more intimate relationship with you, a greater dependence on you every single day of my life. Where is your heart tonight? What is going on in your life? And what has God spoken to you specifically about tonight? Will you allow him to strengthen your faith? Father, thank you for your precious word. God, thank you so much for the truth. God, what you have said, what you have spoken, I pray that it would not be twisted. I pray that it would not be changed, that God, we would look at what you have said and what you have said alone. God, there are people here that are sh- they're struggling in their faith tonight. They feel weak and they feel impotent and like they just can't go on. And Lord, maybe they've been lifting up prayers to you and they feel like those prayers are going unanswered. And the reality is, I pray that you have opened up their eyes tonight, that their faith is simply growing. If they would trust you completely, if they continue to go to you in prayer, if they'd not just give up after a single prayer and say, I'm done, that God has no place for me in his kingdom. God, that they would let that faith grow. That they would continue to just run. God, they would run to you. a greater dependence on you and a greater need for you, that God, they would run to you. God, tomorrow when they're tired and when they're weak when they feel like they can't go on that tomorrow they would run to you again and the day after that and the day after that and the day after that because the end result the thing that we need more than any kind of healing more than any kind of answered prayer the end result, what we desperately need is you and your forgiveness that you offer So, Lord, may we trust in you and you alone every single day. May we continue to pursue you in prayer. God, we love you. We need you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Everyone stand.